At the Cryptid Keeper podcast, we love to laugh at the darkness, but we would never laugh at the rich cultures that explore it, or the unique cultural significance of the creatures explored. The jokes within are on no one but us. We encourage additional research on the subjects covered here, and hope that a comedy podcast is not your primary source of information. Welcome to the Cryptid Keeper Podcast, the podcast for cryptids and their keepers. That's us, and if you're listening, it's you too. I'm Alex Flanagan. And I'm Addison Peacock. And Addison actually demanded that I do the intro super early and like right off the cuff this time, so we haven't had time to warm up. I don't know what our jokes are going to sound like. We haven't flexed those humorous muscles. The humorous is not a muscle. It's a bone. I apologize. Alex, please issue a retraction immediately. Hi, this is Alex Flanagan from the Cryptid Keeper Podcast. Last time we talked, I made a statement that I'm not proud of. (laughs) I may have falsely implied that the humerus is a muscle in your body. Reader, it is not. (laughs) It is in fact a bone. And I hope that this information has not harmed any of you in any way or led to any embarrassing altercations with your primary care provider. (laughs) Thank you. Beautiful. Thank you very much. I admire your candor. I'm just trying to really be upfront about my mistakes and grow as a person. Honestly, that's like you're this is a joke situation, but also like good idea. It's like a good strategy. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's a good way to be. I I shouldn't have demanded you do the intro so early. I just was worried that uh, some of our fun back and forth would get lost in the weeds. As it usually does. Not usually, almost always. Exclusively. Yeah. If you think we're not funny, it's just because you don't hear us before we turn the microphone on. Not even before we turn the microphone on, just before the intro. We're and more then... hilarious in person, I promise. No, we're not. Yeah, that's also true. Well, we're funny to each other. We think we're funny. And that's what counts. And that's what counts. Or rather, you think you're funny and I think I'm funny. Right. Each of us ourselves is funny together. <laughs> to ourselves. So if Independently. This, if this is your first episode, I'm sorry. But that's just the way the cookie crumbles. Normally, we do like a bunch of this before I set us up and then we just sort of slide right into the monster. This is a little bit like the pacing's different. So I don't know. Maybe you want to like wrap up first and then we'll talk about whatever creature you brought for us this week. Yes. I just It's topsy-turvy. It's like Twelfth Night up here with the cryptids. And I uh, just want to make sure that we're, we're fulfilling your artistic vision. It's well, your then, week. So thank you. I would like you to call me Cesario for the duration of this episode. Okay. And I would like you to give me a ring to take to... My master? No. This is, I was trying to do Twelfth Night. Got away from me. That's fine. It's all right. So anyway, I'm the keeper of this week's cryptid, and I'm sorry that I've just turned everything on its side and made everything wrong and taken us to, like, the upside-down podverse, but here we are, and it's happening. And so I brought back a creature that I talked about a little bit in a previous episode, and it opened, I did not expect it to, but it opened the door to a whole bunch of wild stuff and sort nice. of... A, a different sort of avenue I went down with it as well. And I talked about this this uh, fellow on our Giants episode. Okay. So those of you who've heard it, you may remember this. You might remember this. And if you haven't, don't worry. You're not missing anything. I'm going to refresh anything that was covered in that episode. So I talked about a fellow, a little thing called uh, the Ningen on our Giants episode. Is it in fact little if you talked about it's it on our Giants a, episode? It's actually a big, it's a big boy. Okay. Um, It was a metaphor. That's... Not yes. anything. Okay. Yes. Th- no, that's fine. Yes. Go ahead. 
Anything's a metaphor if you close your eyes and wish real hard. So, and don't use like or as because then it's a simile. That's true. So anyway, the Ningen is essentially this enormous humanoid that was spotted in the oceans in the Arctic, and it's this big. Essentially, it's a giant, like stark white, like not Caucasian, like white, like snow white, like um, not like Snow White the princess, like a polar bear <laughs> is to a bear, right? It's. <laughs> Essentially, this giant humanoid. It's very like rounded edges. It's like there's no way to put this except for that it's very like smooth. It's got sort of um the skin texture looks kind of like a whale or like um, a dolphin. Okay, yeah, whale is what I was thinking when you were talking about just like large and smooth. Yeah. It's large and smooth. It's well. That's the thing is, a lot of people who are trying to debunk the sightings uh, think that it might be a misidentified beluga whale, mm-hmm. for example. Um, which wouldn't quite make sense because the way the Ningen is described is it has like a distinct head, arms, torso, and legs, like distinctly humanoid shape. Very, very big, smooth, underwater. Most of the time, sometimes might go on the land, which is upsetting. And the fun fact uh, I would like to offer you that I found when I was researching this a little bit is that a uh, ningen means human, like the word. Yeah, I don't love that. Yeah, so they're humans. They're they're uh, they're. It's you know what a human looks like. You know how humans are completely smooth and mostly featureless and uh, really, really big. And what is wild about this to me is that it's most likely that a human gave it that name. Yeah, you know humans. Alex, you say that, but do you know that for sure? I haven't given you any of my uh, fun facts and information yet. That's so. true. You know everything. I know nothing. I <laughs> humble myself before I, your masterful Ninga knowledge. Please don't do this. Please don't put this much on me. I'm not ready for it. Everything you say is facts. Please don't do this to me. I am an empty vessel ready to be filled. Don't do this to me. So I would like to, uh, then, if I may, take you to my first source. I would like to take you to MysteriousUniverse.org, a piece from 2011 entitled The Ningen, Myth, Monster, or Make-Believe. Lead and I will follow. Please don't do this to me. I have never felt more like a cult leader than I do at this moment, (laughs) and I don't like it. I don't want it. I did not ask for it. You kind of very specifically did. I didn't. Just because I, I just asked you to listen to me. I didn't mean, <laughs> I didn't want you to like be prostrate before me to receive the good word of the Ningen. Okay, so something was lost in translation, but like that's fine. We'll just not prostrate, prostrate. It's different. No, that's not at all what I was oh. talking about. Oh, anyway, okay, please um, just tell me about this this giant lad. So a lot of what this piece talks about is the fact that we've talked about this before. The deep ocean is full of all manner of unbelievable, alien, strange animals that we either have not yet seen or that we have seen and, like, had to reckon with the fact that these things are real. Like, for example, we have things like giant squids and we have we have those, like, crazy, you know those, like, tubes that, like, are in the deep, deep ocean? They're, like, they, like, expel gases. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. yeah. We've got things like that. I mean... The deep ocean is probably the closest thing that we have currently to what we can imagine alien life might look like, because this is life that's adapted to such a different environment than that that we occupy. So it's reasonable to assume that any weird, unbelievable thing you can think of that someone has said they've spotted in the ocean might very well just be there. Oh, yeah, <laughs> Might very absolutely. well just exist. So the Ningen is such a creature. It was dubbed that, you were right, Alex, you did correctly predict that it was dubbed uh, the Ningen by a human being. Okay, by other Ningen. As we, I mean, I must assume this person's a human being. Um, There were, it was uh, spotted in the 1990s by fishermen. 
by Pacific fishermen. They were astounded by the size of the monster and more absolute so... Absolute unit. Yeah, right? It's an absolute unit. And more so shocked by its its shape. It looks humanoid. It doesn't look like a giant beluga whale. There's a lot of different images of it. And of course, the, a lot of these look like maybe like ice flows and things like that. They're sure. a little bit in the grand tradition of cryptid photography. They're very blurry. So I'll show you a picture of a... Oh, yeah. Ningen. Interesting. Yeah. It looks kind of like a human-y silhouette under the water or maybe just an ice flow. But still... Um, it's said to be between 60 and 90 feet in length. It also looks a lot like, um, and this is such a niche reference, but um, I grew up playing Pikmin, or rather, like, watching Pikmin be played. Are you saying Pokemon wrong? No. Did you never play Pikmin? No, I know what Pikmin is. I've never okay, played Okay, Pikmin it. is, like, a real thing. And Pikmin is super fascinating because the whole, like, lore of Pikmin is basically that it is taking place on Earth, which is kind of, like, revealed through environmental things, but you're just, like, very, very tiny. And there's this whole world going on, but you're, like, collecting these treasures and sending them mm-hmm. back to your home planet. And they're all things like a used tube of paint or, like, a quarter. And, like, there are these huge monumental treasures and you give them all these weird names because you have no idea what they are, but, like, they're Uh very much just, like, earth trash. So, um... And then at the end, you go on the beach, and there's the Statue of of Liberty, but it's a monkey. Yeah, but it means nothing to you because you're not from Earth, and so you just send it also back to your home planet. (laughs) Okay. Um, But it's also so enormous because you are the size of a dime. Anyway, but there Ah. are, like, all these cool creatures and things that, like, exist in the Pikmin universe that are, like, actually kind of terrifying. And as a small child, some of them did scare me very much. Also because they just, like, relentlessly murder your cute little alien friends. It's a whole thing. But... Dark. But there's one specific creature in those Pikmin games, and I apologize because, again, this is a tangent that's helpful to probably zero people. But um, in some of, like, the underground levels, there are these frog-looking guys that are, like, all white and pale and, like, bloated and horrible. They're horrible, but they're called Wallywogs, um, mm. I think. And let me see if I can find a picture of one because they look a lot like your your Ningen. Yeah, why not? Here's the fun thing. Another fun thing about the Ningen is that it um, there is some debate, as is often the case, there's some debate about what exactly it looks like. And There it is. I'd forgotten how much I hated these things. Ew. Yeah, they're gross. Ew. Don't compare that to the Ningen. But, like, just the, the sort of body form. Like, from the top, is what I was thinking of in terms no, of skin what that texture. Looks like and is those is those no, that looks like those little frogs that live in the desert and peep. These are some like of the horrible things toys. that you can find in Pikmin. They're cool, all I, real bad. Cool, I hate them all. Yeah, they're really um, bad. They also use the same like shape template for all of them, which is interesting. Well, a lot of those but, were like very similar creatures. There are some other very different ones. But anyway, back to the Ningen. Uh, back to the uh, back to the Ningen at hand here. Something that I stumbled upon that I did not find or did not realize before when I originally read about this thing is that there's debate about its formation, its shape, mm-hmm. its body form. There obviously are sightings and reports that say it has a fully humanoid shape, like, uh-huh. um, you know, arms and then also, like, you know, legs. You know legs? You know, legs. Um, you know, like, two, like, legs. But there's also reports of seeing it with more of, like, a mermaid-like tail, like a fused tail as opposed okay, to Okay, so this straight-up is legs. a beluga whale. No, it's not a beluga whale, Alex. Okay, but, like, have you seen those pictures going around of beluga whales with, like, the adipose deposits that make them look like legs? Like, you've seen those, right? Yes, but here's the thing. Do beluga whales have arms? I mean, from, like, the picture that you showed me from that viewpoint, like, yes. All right, well, I've got more pictures. And also, please don't do this. Please don't scully my molder right now. Don't do this to me. All right, I'm just trying to, like, point out the obvious, like, I'm sorry, these are very beluga whales. I understand. Until you give me more proof of them being non-beluga whales. I understand. I understand. Now... 
consider observers they've been spotted by the way in the pacific antarctic and atlantic oceans mm-hmm. they're extraordinarily large whitish complexion now they have no distinct facial features they have two eyes and a slit for a mouth they don't have like a mouth it doesn't open not like a beluga okay. whale mouth like they've got like a little like kind of more like a stingray facial features uh-huh. yeah i'm i'm getting the visual okay i'm making sure you understand what i'm so these were all spotted around like tail end of the 20th century, 1990s, and then, but it didn't really come into the public consciousness until around 2007. Okay. So that was um, the first known reports are untraceable. It didn't get a lot of notoriety until it started being talked about in, I mean, like most cryptozoological things or legends that come up sure. online. It was discussed in a Japanese forum known as Two Channel, and the individual posting claimed to have been working on a whale research vessel when one of these creatures rose up from the ocean. According to the account, the crew member scrambled up to the deck to catch a glimpse of what they initially thought was a foreign submarine. However, as it approached, as the research vessel approached the object, it became evident they were not dealing with a machine-tooled structure, but a living, breathing behemoth. The crew stared in awe at this biological anomaly until it submerged moments later. So, so it was, like, above the surface of the water. Yes. Okay, and they did, like, see it, see it from their ship. Yes. Multiple people. Yes. Okay, cool. Yes. See, I'm more into that. When you were just telling me it's like, oh, they like see glimpses of this in the water and it looks like human shapes. I'm like, That's... oh, no, no, no. I, I might have spoke in a way that was not necessarily clear. The photographs of it, the supposed photos of it are all from of it being under the water. But the sightings are all of people who claim they've straight up seen it. Oh, okay. Like seen it, seen it. But really quickly, because I don't know the answer, I need to find out how big beluga whales are. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. It's just like a good thing to have in your back pocket. Because that's something I should have looked up. Here's the thing. The average beluga whale is 14 feet long. Uh-huh. This thing is about 60 feet long. Okay. So they're very large beluga So, well, that's the thing. If this is a beluga whale, this is a beluga whale with, like, gigantism or, like, one that has just, like, eaten its other whales. Like, it's too big. Which is, like, a thing that I'm actually fine with when it comes to discussions of cryptids because it's, like... Here's the deal. Either it's a completely disparate thing, or it's a natural example of a phenomenon occurring within a species, which is itself still super cool and unconfirmed. Oh, totally. Don't get me wrong. Either way, nature's churning out some masterpieces here. Oh, yeah. Now, this obviously spread all across the internet because once something starts going, once the internet gets its little hooks into something, you know that it likes to just... Start spinning. So in November of 2007, there the buzz was so intense and the photographs, people were so obsessed with the photographs that the editors of Moo Magazine, and that's not M-O-O like a cow, it's M-U, or that's like the uh, mm-hmm. romanization of the Japanese characters, published an article about the monster. Awesome. It's a... Now, this magazine is dedicated to paranormal phenomena mm-hmm. and um, like cryptids and mysterious creatures, and it was a huge hit. So the article uh, specified that they were indigenous to icy waters and um, the icy waters of the southern oceans, and the article included a Google Maps image of what was evidently a Ningen swimming in the South Atlantic off the coast of Namibia. Namibia. So after the publication of that article, as you might imagine, everyone had an Ingen sighting. There were photos and videos all over the internet, like blurry pictures and video footage, and some like very troubling looking photographs. I've got one more. I've got a picture for you, and I would love you to tell us what this looks like. Oh, goody. This is always my favorite game. Yeah. Oh, that's a friend. Is it a friend? Huh. Do you like it? I, hmm. Hmm. Do you like him? I brought him to you for you. He's like... A weird puppet slender man with just, like, a so-jacked torso. 
He just only did upper body and did not do leg day. You can't forget leg day, especially when your legs may or may not be fins. <laughs> especially when you actually don't have legs and actually have a tail. When you might or might not have legs. When the legs are in question, leg day becomes twice as important. Schrodinger's legs? Schrodinger's legs. Love it. Wow. Um, this is like, hmm. It kind of looks like a 3D model. Um, oh, yeah. Just it in also, terms of, like, the texture of the skin and the mapping is, like, a little bit uncanny. It also kind of looks like a Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade uh, balloon. Right, of a Slenderman puppet. <laughs> yes, of a Slenderman puppet. So look out next year. Everyone, your favorite character, my favorite character, the kids <laughs> love him. The, everyone wants to be him. It's the Ningen. Here he is. It's a 3D model of a Macy's Parade balloon of a Slenderman puppet. <laughs> That's the Ningen. You How just deep does this it. go? How deep does it go? Is it possible that there is some sort of underwater parade happening and we are seeing their giant balloons? Very above possible. The surface? I think, honestly, probable. <laughs> probable. You know, everyone always forgets about the underwater Thanksgiving Day parade. It's the second coolest one on Earth. Especially because why would there be a Thanksgiving Day parade in the in the seas of the Antarctic, you ask? Because Thanksgiving spirit is everywhere? Yeah, it's pretty universal. I think we have all always agreed. <laughs> the spirit of the harvest can be anywhere. So... A few Ningen proponents claim that the bulk of the shoddy photographs and half-baked stories that have been publicly released regarding these creatures were created by an anonymous and clandestine organization to cover up the truth and dismiss the notion that these things might be real. So, there's actually a lot about this. I will go into it a little bit more, but there is a whole element of government conspiracy to a lot of the Ningen lore. It's both anonymous and clandestine. Yes. Any questions? No. Good. Nope, okay. None. I wanted to make sure you were totally on board for I'm what was happening. I'm very on board with okay. that. Okay. So there is a lot of, there is this element of people believing that sightings, now, because I should say sightings are very difficult to find on this thing. It was one of those that just would tell me that there are lots of sightings, but then there would be very few specific sightings cited, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So there's this prevailing theory when you look into Ningen sightings, people believe that the government of Japan and possibly other nations where these have been cited is pulling sightings off of the internet to avoid widespread panic and to keep people from talking about this thing. Huh. There is this, and of course there's not really any evidence for that, but I just think it's very interesting that they would believe, because, I mean, for plenty of other kind of cryptids that might be maybe a little bit distressing to think about or other cryptids that, might, that people might be afraid of, there's still plenty of sightings of them online mm-hmm. and available to find. So it's very interesting to me that this specific creature, people would assume, well, there's not sightings of it listed online, but we know this thing must be real. So the government must be pulling them off of the internet and shutting down websites that release information about them so that we can't find out the truth. It's very X-Files. I, I love it. I'm yeah. here for it. It's very X-Files. No, actually, honestly, literally nothing makes me want to believe more in the Ningen than you telling me that the government is removing evidence to believe that I should. To, the government doesn't want you to believe in the Ningen, Alice. I believe so strongly in the Ningen. <laughs> I would do anything for him. <laughs> I would die for him, for the Ningen. <laughs> for the, the human. Yeah. The, the human, yeah. My, my favorite underwater human parade float boy. Do you know what? This is... A total tangent related to that, but there's nothing that thrills me more than the idea that some alien species might hear that word, know it means human, and then see images of this and be like, guess that's what humans look like. I think about this like all the time. And I also specifically think about this as it pertains to like historical record Mm -hmm. and the things people will find and be like, oh, that's humans, I guess. I guess this is pop culture. There's like, there are things that I find or I read and I'm like, I hope 
to God that this survives as, like, evidence of what mainstream consumption was. Like, and this is one hyper-specific example. I am obsessed with the comic Swan Boy. I think it's the wildest thing I've ever uh-huh. read. If you've never read Swan Boy by Branson Reese, you are missing out. I have not. It is completely inexplicable. And the kind of humor, like, is absolutely baseless. There is nothing on this earth that can explain or contextualize why Swan Boy is hysterical. And I hope, beyond all hopes, that people 3,000 years from now find Swan Boy and think that's what humans thought, like, thought was hysterical. I hope that they look back and they're like, this is so weird. Why was there an entire society built around this? This like weirdly specific data is sense of humor. And we'll be like, you'll never know. It's true. I um, was going to say, there's actually a, an episode, I've been on a very deep rewatch of the first several seasons of the uh, reboot of Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and there is actually an episode, and I would say no spoilers, but th- it's been out for a long time, and I won't, I'll tell you what, I won't name the episode if you haven't watched it. If you have, you'll know exactly what episode I'm talking about, but there is an episode of Doctor Who wherein a, a hospital vehicle from an alien planet crashes on mm-hmm. Earth, and it has these nano these nanobots that exist to like repair injuries mm-hmm. and they're trying to the, the nanobots essentially don't know what a human looks like they don't know what human beings are so they're trying to figure out like to solve like to heal like it's during drops during world war ii and these little nanobots are trying to figure out what a human being looks like so they know how to repair it and make an mm-hmm. injured one look right again and what the nanobots find is a dead person wearing a gas mask. Oh, no. And they assume that this is a part of the human face. And that is... And I'm obsessed with the idea that something could see, like, an old image of, like... For example, I always think about, like, 18th century or French fashion. Mm-hmm. And, like, those wild, like... They had, like, padding on the hips. That, like, made the, oh, like, yeah, the super like, weird silhouettes. The super weird silhouettes and, like, the proportions. And the idea of, like, either people in the future finding these images and being like, oh, like the human shape has changed so much. Evolution is amazing. Or an alien planet, like finding something like that and being like, oh, so the humans have a, a very large uh, thorax. and Yeah, right. Um, or not thorax. I don't remember. But I just think it's so interesting, too, the idea that we call this why. Why is, I know it looks kind of humanoid, but why did they call this a thing that means human? I mean, so it probably wasn't, like, we think of it as weird because we're not on that side of the language. Yeah, that's We're not true. the ones, like, we're seeing it on this side and being like, oh, it's called this thing and this means human. What a strange choice. Yeah, that's true. When in reality, what it probably was is somebody somewhere in, like, a journal entry or, like, a report of a sighting was like, we saw a person. Yeah, um, that's and true. And then that word just made it yeah. over here instead of just calling them large people. And to be fair, how many times have I pointed at, like, a wolf or a dingo or something that is very much not a dog and been like, dog? So you're preaching to the choir here. Yeah. So here's the thing. I really have no room to talk. Yeah, but that's that's my assumption for no, it. No, absolutely. That's the thing is it's definitely a it's 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 a it's a discrepancy that comes up because I am not on the side of the language where it was assigned that kind of idea and that Yeah, and, and the thing is that again in that language I don't think it was probably people assigning it. Oh yeah. Like saying we call these human. Yeah, as no, much of course. as it was somebody just saying like we saw a giant person in the water and it didn't make any sense and then somebody else being like ah Ningen. Yeah. And then people, uh, like, English speakers specifically, probably, because that's kind of what we do, being like, ah, they call this the Ningen. And now here I am, 
doing a podcast episode about it and calling it that. So here we are. But this uh, piece, before I move to something else, MysteriousUniverse.org does have some theorization about what these could be. Cool. So, and we've got a wide range, which is always, I know something we both like. We've got the kind of more scientific cryptozoological side as uh, well as the kind of folkloric side. Mm -hmm. So first of all, there obviously is a lot of possibility that they might be some sort of, as of yet, unknown species or variant of an existing animal that we know about. For example, we talked about a giant beluga whale, or there's also the theory that it is a species, an unknown species of giant albino ray. Okay, yeah. Which would explain the facial features. And honestly, they may it may just be like the way that rays can come out of the water sometimes, they kind of ripple, right? Yeah. So if you're just seeing like, it's like facial area and then like the front bit of it coming out of the water. There's a chance it could look maybe like bent arms or like the start of a torso. And maybe the leg bit is sort of the brain filling in the gaps and making mm-hmm. this kind of wider shape make sense. So and I really do like that because actually when I was describing the facial features, that's the first thing I think of when I hear that description. When I hear two eyes and like a slitted mouth, I think even though that's not actually the ray's mouth, I think of a ray. You seem like something's kicking around in your brain. Oh, no, I'm just okay. I'm just thinking about okay. ray faces and how much they terrify me. Oh, I like them. I think they're sweet. They're super cute, but if I saw one in real life, I would freak. <laughs> because, like, they're adorable, but they shouldn't exist in the same space as, like, <laughs> human, human faces. Yeah. Do you know what? I understand that because that is exactly the same way as I feel about sharks. And I mean even sharks that bear me no ill will, like sharks that don't even mm-hmm. want anything to do with something as big as me. Their eyes look like marbles. And mm-hmm. if I saw that face underwater, I would pee myself. Like, I, I keep thinking of the click hole video where it's like, marine biologists uh, confess animals they hope never to discover. Oh, yes. And I'm just sitting here like, I hope never to discover the ray. <laughs> if I saw one in real life, I would lose my mind, sit in this chair, and scream. Mm-hmm. I, like, wouldn't actually, and I actually have seen rays up close. I've, like, done the thing when I was a kid where you're at an aquarium and you, like, pet them, but I've never had to, like, look directly into one's eyes. Oh, yeah. Now, here's the thing, also something this article points out, um, that is... It makes me feel a sense of dread in my stomach that I can't quite articulate. I'm not really sure why, mm-hmm. but I mean, I think you'll understand, which is that scientists have speculated that human beings have managed to chronicle a mere 20% of all the species living in the world's oceans. And there it is. Oh, there's that dread. I felt it just like a, like a cold stone in the pit of my stomach. Just be like, oh, God, we don't know anything about the oceans. There's so much down there. There's so many aliens in the ocean. I think about this a lot. And the last time I made this point on this podcast, I got some tweets. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Here's the thing. Um, I don't know why I keep doing this to myself. I have thalassophobia. Why do I keep talking about stuff that lives in the ocean? But here we are. I just I think they're neat. So <laughs> let's hop over to another potential explanation. Um, let's go more folkloric explanation. So this says, if if we're not dealing with giant fish, then maybe it's something distinctly more supernatural, such as dot 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 water demons. Yes. From the turtle-shelled primate known as the kappa to the pachyderm-like baku, Japanese folklore is chock full of amazing creatures that fall under the heading of Yokai. Those are my favorite. Yes. The yokai are a class of mystical creatures, many of which bear animal-like features. Perhaps this predominantly Japanese phenomenon is not so much a cryptozoological mystery as it is a paranormal one. It's worth considering the fact that every report I've come across regarding Ningen as Jap are re- I cannot talk. It's worth considering the fact that every report I've come across regarding Ningen are Japanese in origin. It came from um, out of um, a Japanese online forum. It came out of that magazine. It seems to be primarily like cited by Japanese people. 
and that might just be a coincidence, but like I do love the idea that it's tying into folklore, like regarding the region. It might be that there's some sort of yokai-like entity, for reasons beyond my comprehension, choosing to show itself exclusively to seafarers of these waters. Who knows? Arguably, stranger things have happened. Of course, there's also the fact that there's a lot of like there's a huge fishing industry. Oh yeah, Japan, absolutely. And, like, there's of course a lot of seafaring, a lot of seafaring voyages coming out of that country. So of course there's a lot of like, and particularly that region, they would spot if there's some big unknown strange thing in these waters, they're going to be the people to see it. It would also not only like when you're talking about seafaring places and like port locations. Um, we don't think about this so much nowadays because the transfer of information across the world is like so instantaneous that we don't really have to sit and think about places in our physical world where cultures overlap. Mm-hmm. But anywhere where you have like massive shipping industries or port industries mm-hmm. or like boats coming in, like historically, those are the places in the world that stories get swapped. Oh, yeah. So like if you have people even from a whole bunch of different cultures and locations and oceans in the world seeing these things or experiencing them, the places where they're going to become most highly concentrated just by nature of buildup is like mm-hmm. port cities or specifically like an archipelago or like, you know, where you've got a whole bunch of boats and boat adjacent individuals mm-hmm. telling their tales to each other and like... Those coming in from a bunch of different places and mingling and then being sent back out into the world from people who know them. Also, just staying on yokai for a second, considering the amount of stories regarding yokai I read where they're basically like one of their predominant traits is turns into something to scare people just for fun. I just can't help but imagine that one or more of these kind of shape-shifting variety would just kind of be like, oh, I tried this thing out and the humans did not care for it one bit. Let's do more. But I would also like to, while we're talking about, I did talk about, um, I think I did hint at aliens. Every time I talk about the ocean, I talk about aliens. So I would like to also consider first... USOs, unidentified submersible objects. Uh I've never really read much about them, but they are, as you might imagine from context, the underwater equivalent to a UFO. So they're said to be able to soar through the air and then go into the ocean. They're like amphibious vehicles. Yeah. And they've been reported entering and leaving the seas by none other than Christopher Columbus, a very very reliable source. Oh, yeah. And sightings continue to this day. Most people assume that they're technological and they hail from another world or was constructed by a marine-dwelling species more advanced than our own. Have you read Sphere? I know we talk about Sphere a lot. Like, I've not read Sphere, every but time, you, I, you've told me so much about Sphere. Every time we do an ocean creature, I feel like I need to bring up Sphere, but this one seems even more Sphere-adjacent than most. Mm-hmm. Now, there are people who think that maybe the Ningen are a craft of some sort, an underwater craft being mistaken for something else, or the Ningen, who seem to be swimming stiffly in the videos that show them are living machines. Yes. Would you be into that? Yes. Bio-robots. <laughs> yeah, they're... Hey, Alex, consider yes. ocean robots. Consider not just a giant ocean robot, yes, but a cloud of ocean nanobots. Oh. Roughly approximating the shape of a human because they don't really know what else to do. Nice. I... Would the cloud... How would they form that kind of smooth, like, blubbery surface? Well, have you read Prey by Michael Crichton? No, Alex, I've not read any Michael Crichton. (laughs) Well, Alex, then we're on different levels of this conversation. We've talked about this. Stop trying to make me read Michael Crichton. (laughs) This is all a long-form reveal to my secret second Michael Crichton podcast. Oh, my God. Can we talk about aliens or not? We can talk about aliens. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. People think that they might be aliens. Yeah, and alien nanobot technology is different than our own. Nobody claimed to see an Ingen before the 1990s, and it's possible that the reason that is is because they weren't on Earth before the 1990s. 
Like, what if they were some sort of UFO crash in that ocean area? UFO Kai. That's good. Thanks. Nice. So, essentially, a like foreign species that either deliberately or not ended up in our oceans and is now just there. It's, of course, like, there's not really any evidence to back up that particular premise, but it's fun to talk about and it's a fun thing to consider. I want the, like, Free Willy E.T. crossover film where, like, a young boy has to find a way to release the Ningen back into space. <laughs> yes. Would you like to see a picture of, a supposed picture of the Ningen coming out of the water? for? Ooh, to, like, look at that friend. He's, like, breaching. That's a whale. Uh-uh. Yeah, yeah this I'm one's sorry. A it's whale. a whale. It's, the Ningen is not a whale, but this is it's a whale. It's a very adorable whale, but that picture is just a whale. This picture is for sure a beluga whale. That's true. It's a beluga whale, like, <laughs> in the middle of jumping out of the water. I mean, like, the head shape and everything, like, it, it also doesn't have really, like, the kind of face or mouth you were describing no it doesn't have. that's the thing is i think a it's lot cute of though i believe in the i believe in the ningen's existence i do not think that all these pictures are it but um i was gonna say the other thing that this piece brings up that i do love and and i was talking about this before is that there is so much in the ocean that we don't know about particularly like things from folklore that were considered to be ridiculous or impossible. Like, and I know we've talked about the fact that originally the Kraken is described more like a crab, but mm-hmm. the modern conception of the Kraken and the con- a conception of the Kraken that's been around for a while is sort of like a massive squid or octopus. Yeah, totally. Which was, of course, dismissed for a very long time. Uh, but now we know about the existence of not only the giant squid, but the colossal squid, which is just unbearably big. I made myself upset again. It I'm is sorry. too large. It's Don't too think about big. it. You're right. Oh, boy. Oh, I thought about how big its eyeballs are. But anyway, my point being, just like dragons were dismissed only to learn about how dinosaurs have have similar conceptions to the way that dragons were traditionally imagined, giant squids and krakens have this overlap as well, which is to say that it's not impossible that there is some sort of animal we don't know about that resembles the Ningen. Like I said, it could be the ray, could be some sort of giant beluga whale, could be a lot of stuff. And I just... As Marge Simpson would say, I just think they're neat. I kind of am afraid of them, but I also, like many of the cryptids we cover on the show, I kind of want to pet them and see what it feels like. Like, have you ever pet a dolphin? They're so smooth. They're very smooth. Okay, so I do want to ask. Yeah. Do we have, because I don't think we've touched about touched on this, and I'm sorry if we have, what do Ningen do? Just, like, are they harmful? Have not. they affected ships or anything? No, they're just there. Okay, then why, why are we afraid of them? Oh, I'm just afraid of big things in the water. But, I mean, he's a historically peaceful big thing in the water. I don't care if a big thing in the water is peaceful. I'm afraid of it because they're there and they're big. Okay. I don't pretend to be rational about it, Alex. You're also afraid of things that just exist and are small. Here's the thing. Leave me alone. But anyway, so just to clarify, like, it's there's never been an, an example of this thing, like... If the Ningen is what I have described and not something else that I think might be tied into it that I'm about to go into right now, then it is a peaceful being. Okay, cool. It is, if it is what I think it is in terms of like my personal theory and just a big old ray, then it's probably super chill. Because here's the thing. Stingrays are dangerous to people, but it's not on purpose. And rays in general are, I actually really love rays. I think one that big would make me nervous, but they're really sweet. I don't know how many of you have interacted with them before, but they're, like, really friendly. People call them the pussycats of the sea because they're, like, super affectionate and, like, super, like... Sorry, who calls them that? I have read it. People call them that. (laughs) Okay, go on. 
If I Google Ray is the pussycats of the sea, you will see it. You will find it. They're kitty cats. They're they're water cats, ocean cats. I'm okay with calling them the cats of the sea. Something about very specifically calling them the pussycats of the seas. <laughs> it's because, like, traditionally that's, like, something you use for, like, like they're, like, sweet-tempered. Yeah, no, I, like, I get it. I'm Googling it. Just Google pussycats of the sea. <laughs> okay, Google. <laughs> okay, Google. Prove me right to Alex. These moments are always so fraught with tension. I just Googled pussycats of the cats. <laughs> oh, no, I just got a bunch of transcripts of the owl and the pussycat. Oh, no. Went to sea in a beautiful pea green boat. And I found Josie and the pussycats. As well you should. Um, oh, There it is. How Stuff Works calls them the pussycats of the sea. I didn't oh, make yeah, that up. Oh, yeah, no, sorry. How Stuff Works. You're right. <laughs> I didn't make I that up. I forgot about respected academic source, HowStuffWorks.com. Um, I'm sorry. It's HowStuffWorks.org, Alex. Oh, then we were on different levels again. Yeah. I want to hop over to Gaia.com, talk about the Ningen, a Japanese mermaid. Now, it talks about pretty much the same thing I was talking about, uh, about the Ningen showing up in these cold waters. People say it might have a tail. People say it might not. It's just a, it's a fun, fun little guy who hangs out in the water. and Who is, again, not little at all. A fun big guy who hangs out in the water. And there's a lot of videos. There's a lot of uh, that sort of thing. Now... Um, this brings up a lot of stuff like the um, hydrothermal vents discovered oh, yeah. in Arctic depths, with the, which allow for life forms to have been discovered that didn't people didn't think would survive in those waters. So that's just another thing to bring up a possibility of something living in water that's thought to be not very hospitable to life or just not very not very friendly in general. Just wanted to drop that example: the yeti crab. That's something that lives around those vents, those hydrothermal vents, skitters around. Now, here's another thing. You asked me if the Ningen is harmful, and I say no. However, there is a theory about the government cover-up that the Ningen might produce a rare chemical compound that is either medicinal or highly venomous and able to be weaponized. Oh. There are, like, a lot of UFO stories come along with stories of, like, men in black Uh threatening people who have seen Ningen, uh, telling them not to talk about it, not to expose its existence, not to post information about it. Now, again, a lot of the time those stories are just often employed to give stuff more legitimacy or just to make it make sense why there's not a lot of evidence. Fair. But at the end of the day, it's still worth bringing up. It talks about the original sighting, and it talks about what it brings up is that a lot of the sightings that describe it as having a tail as opposed to legs, humanoid legs, um, have been referred to, it's been referred to as a Japanese mermaid. And the thing about Japanese mermaids, I did some reading about them. They're called ningyo. Okay. um, And they are very ugly. They do not look like mermaids the way that we've talked about them, like the way that the sort of Eurocentric version of them has been described. And in fact, not only are they kind of not supposed to be like attractive, but they normally are described as looking way more fish or way more aquatic than human. Oh, okay. Like way more. And so I wanted to talk a little bit. This Ningen took me into the realm of the Ningyo. So I want to talk about those guys. You're looking at me really weird. No, I'm just waiting for you to say the next thing. I don't have any snarky commentary to add I feel here. like I'm doing a bad job. I'm nervous. Why? You're fine. I don't know. So I want to talk about the Ningyo. And, and I should specify that I have no reason to necessarily believe that they're the same thing so much as I think it's interesting in terms of overlap and I want to talk about them. Because if we're talking about humanoid things, especially something that people are nicknaming a Japanese mermaid, including one source that straight up just 
said they were the same thing. Like, there was one of my sources, and I'm not going to go into it because it didn't have a lot of new information to mm-hmm. offer, but it equated. It said, like, the Ningen, this thing, like, showed a picture, and it was, like, also known as the Ningyo or Japanese mermaid. And it was, I'm like, I don't know that they're the same, but. Well, hey, hey, hey. You know what? What? It's your podcast. Do what you want. You're right. I'll do what I want. Do what you want. So I just brought that up because I'm not the first person to try to make that make, make that combination make sense. I'm not the first to try to make fetch happen. But this, um, the ningyo, which translates to human fish, mermaid, merman. They live in seas, oceans, large bodies of water. I'm hopping over to yokai.com, which is a source I often frequent. Quite enjoy it. Now, mermaids are known as ningyo in Japanese, and they're very different from the mermaids of Western tradition. Tradition. I can't talk. Tradition. That's the one. Ningyo more closely resemble fish than humans, with a varying level of human-like features, ranging from just an ugly, deformed fish-like face to an entire human torso with long, bony fingers and sharp claws. They can range in size from the size of a human child to the size of a large seal, or maybe the size, I'm just saying, of an ingot. Maybe they're really (laughs) big. Maybe there's a whole species. Look. We did an episode on giants. We did. Humans, the idea of humans coming in really giant sizes is nothing new. So I'm just oh, saying. So what you're saying is that these are mermaid giants. Yes, I uh-huh. am. I'm saying these are mermaid giants. I'm saying fee fi fo fum mermaid giants. Here I come. Execution was lacking, but it was an inspired performance. Thank you. I appreciate it. So there are stories of more uh, like European-style mermaids, like the ones that we talked about before that are, like, you know, essentially beautiful women with long hair that covers their boobs because we have puritanical standards, I guess, and, like, they sing and lure sailors to their deaths. And there Also, is... there's, like, no reason why mermaids would even have them. Like, they why shouldn't. would they have memory glands? They're fish. I know. They're fish. They shouldn't have anyway. breasts. But that's a whole... We talked about on the mermaid episode. We did. But those aren't unheard of, and they do talk about them sometimes, but that's just, like, during the end of... Since the end of the Edo period and the opening of Japan to the West, there's, like, like some cross-pollination of folklore because, of mm-hmm. course, there is. But in terms of traditional stories and traditional folklore dating back to, like, 619 CE, the Ningyo is described as much more fish-like and not attractive. Not to be mean oh, to no. the Ningyo. But also the flesh of the Ningyo is believed to grant eternal life and youth to those who eat it. Thus, it is the subject of many folktales. Mmm, tasty. However, it carries a danger that people are not willing to risk. They can place a powerful curse on humans who try to wound or capture them. Some legends tell of entire towns being swallowed by earthquakes or tidal waves after a foolish fisherman brought home a ningyo in one of his catches. So, don't mess with them. That's the thing that I am interested in as well. I like the idea that it all ties together, that eating the flesh of a ningyo gives you eternal life, and that's why the government's keeping them a secret, and the ningyo and the ningen are the same thing, and it just goes so much deeper than any of us think. I actually do really enjoy, like, the level of conspiracy theory that it comes with the ningen and the ningyo. I think that it's, like, really, really interesting, and it's something that we don't talk about nearly enough, considering that I know both of us lose our minds every time the, the chance to talk about it occurs. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and the thing about it is, too, that weirdly enough, often, especially because we talk about aliens and that sort of thing, conspiracy stuff does tend to go hand in hand with a lot of that. But a lot of the stuff that we tend to talk about doesn't necessarily veer into that territory. We talked about a little bit, actually, again, with the Giants episode. Sorry to keep calling back to that. Um, but there actually is a video that I 
I'm not going to like make anyone watch right now, but there is a video that I found uh, on reddit.com. Speculative evolution is a subreddit that talks about something we talk about Mm -hmm. a lot, which is like if these if humanoid things can evolve in like these different ways, make like reptilian humanoids or more aquatic humanoids. And there is a video linked on there called Mermaids of Japan, if the Ningyo exist, which talks about the possibility of an aquatic humanoid evolving from that uh, from that point. And actually, Another thing that came up that I'm not going to dive into because I just straight up don't have time, but when I was researching the Ningen on the cryptids wiki, it brought up people talking about the idea of species of unknown aquatic apes. And that took me over to the aquatic ape hypothesis, which is an extremely controversial hypothesis that humans evolved from aquatic ancestors. And if that were something that if we say suspend our disbelief on that and accept that, then you could somehow run with the idea that maybe those aquatic ape ancestors evolved into some sort of more, instead of they branched off and half of us came onto the land and became what we are now and half of them stayed in the water and became... And the Atlantean Illuminati wants you to know none of this. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And became Ningyo or Ningen or any sort of fish people, fish people, fish people. That's (laughs) That's <laughs> I feel like in an alternate universe where like podcasting was big in the mid 90s, this is like exactly the episode that like Mariah and Zoe would have recorded. Yes, and, it is. Yeah, this is very good. Um, and now I want to just really quickly because I don't really have any more sightings because like I said with these things, a lot of the sightings of Ningen are just talked about in theory. They're like there were sightings and the government doesn't want you to know. Or this one fisherman saw this on this boat. Mm-hmm. The guy who did the posting on Two Channel was the only like first person sighting I can find. And even then, the original post doesn't seem to exist anymore. It's just people retelling the post. So honestly, the real cryptid here is information and sightings about the Ningen. But now that we've kind of made the shift over to Ningyo, which are, by the way, some fun renderings of them include like more traditional kind of half human half oh fish people and those are very catfishy faces yeah they are kind of catfishy faces but then there's like some that are straight up a fish with a human face just a fish with a human face on it oh wow i hate which reminds me actually have you seen the picture of there's a type of fish that has a very human looking face um i'll find it for you there's a fish that has a face that looks like an old man I'll find it. Anyway, I'll tweet it out. It'll be a weird hint of before this episode goes live. But some folk tales about the Ningyo, which is a human fish, which is described, interestingly enough, um, it's described as having, like, small teeth and, like, kind of a fishy mouth, which would be kind of more of a slit mouth, which would be more of the mouth described on the Ningen. I don't like this friend anymore. <laughs> it reminded me, because you were talking about a horrible, ugly merman. I was, yeah. Uh, last time we just met. Just last week. Just last week, we talked about a horrible, ugly merman. So this is my, uh, like, I'm re-gifting to you your gift to me of horrible, ugly mer people. And I want to talk about some of the legends uh, surrounding now, us. Now, I do want to clarify, they're not Ugly. You're right. I'm so sorry. We they just have different standards. standards of aesthetic appreciation. You're right. I'm really sorry. Or maybe they are just straight up ugly. Maybe like the only ones we've seen. Maybe there are like others of their species that are very classically mm-hmm. beautiful. Side note, I might make you like the Ningyo again if you, if you, when you hear this. I'm willing According to According to legend, a Ningyo cannot speak, but its voice has a pleasant sound like a flute. Oh. They're oh. just like, they kind of hoot. 
Oh, they sing these songs. That's delightful. They're going to sing you a little song. So one of the most famous folk stories concerning Ningyo is um, Yao Bikuni, uh, or Hapyaku Bikuni. Uh, it's a story that tells about a fisherman in Wakasa province that caught an unusual fish. In all his years fishing, he'd never seen anything like it, so he invited his friends over to sample it when he cooked it. So one of the guests peeked into the kitchen and noticed that the head of the fish had a human oh, face God. and warned the others not to eat it, you know, because why would you want to eat that? Um terrifying. So when the fisherman finished cooking and offered his guests the, the Ningyo's meat, they wrapped it in paper and hid it so that they could throw it away on the way home. But one man, drunk on sake, forgot to throw the fish away. He had a daughter who demanded a present when her father arrived home, and he gave oh, her the geez. fish. Coming to his senses, he tried to stop her from eating it, fearing she would be poisoned, but he was too late and she finished it all. But nothing bad seemed to happen afterward, and he didn't worry about it. Years passed, the girl grew up and was married, but after that, she did not age anymore. She kept the same youthful appearance while her husband grew old and died. After many years of perpetual youth and being widowed again and again, the woman became a nun and wandered through various countries. Finally, she returned to her hometown in Wakasa, where she died at an age of 800 years. Wow. You know. Wish we could have booked that guest for our podcast. I know. Well, she's not here anymore. I know. Yeah. So, like, that story takes an incredibly sad turn, though. Yeah, just, no like, kidding. Time to watch, watch this. As she watched her loved ones die. I was over ready and over for it again. to be like a, he accidentally cursed his daughter. No. I was not ready for it to be well, he a, did, like, with eternal life. Yeah, but I was not ready for it to take the turn of, like, she unknowingly. And she probably never knew what it is that did it. No. Probably never. She probably never had an explanation for why this happened to her. Jeez. There's an even sadder version of that story, if you can believe it, where she becomes like an outcast and people like treat, regard her as like an undead spirit, like haunting the town. And oh my gosh, it's like pretty rough. The real, as always, the real view, the real villain is people, but the real monster is human beings. But um, also the. Uh, the Ningyo has affiliations with Siberian and Pacific versions, a goddess that cries pearl tears, and then there's also a Chinese mermaid in similar, that's similar in structure. But the funny thing about the Ningyo is it's specifically most of the time described as having a carp-like uh-huh. facial yeah. structure, which, again, the mouth, it's not that different from the mouth, the, Ning, the Ningen mouth, and the big bulgy eyes, and... I just, there's just so much weird overlap there. And I know that it's not quite the same because obviously we're talking about this big, white, blubbery, like beluga whale looking thing. I'm just saying, yeah, mermaid giants, beluga whale, giant mermaid giants. I'm freaking out. (laughs) Well, the other thing that's interesting is that like, especially when it comes to humanoid species, Mm -hmm. we like demand much more of a sort of physiological purity in other creatures than we do in ourselves. Yeah. Because humans have, like, a really wide-ranging way of looking, you know? I mean, like, I mean, let's talk about the difference between a munchkin cat and a lion. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and things that are, like, well, I mean, those aren't the same species. I mean, those are, they are Those all are feline, actively different. But they're Yes, feline. they are all the same, like, family. They're all the same. And I wouldn't necessarily call the Ningen the same species as us. I know, but that's... Oh. I'm, I'm just saying that's a different oh. point from the point yes. I was making. Oh, sorry, I was confused. The point I was making is that, like, humans, which are all literally biologically exactly the same thing, have a really drastically different way of looking. Like, if you've ever compared... Um, like, if you've seen pictures, there was a picture I saw that was, like, Last Olympics of, like, the... Uh, the tall, like, women's volleyball player with, like, the really, really tiny women's gymnast. And there's, like, they look like different species of thing. Yeah. There is no way those are the same biologically. Like, they have the same DNA. It's, like, she's, like, seven feet tall and this other girl's, like, four foot six. It's crazy. And they're both fully grown 
adult women. Like, it's wild. And so what I'm saying is that, like, there are so many different forms of disparity that occur in humans that, like, to look at a few different things and different variations in the way they might present themselves in other creatures, especially ones that we don't have a reference point for what defining features we're looking for when we Mm -hmm. look at it, I can definitely see how that kind of disparity would happen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing. You're right. And honestly, I really... I really should learn to also reconcile, like, I need to get rid of my human biases and stop projecting my standard of beauty onto these creatures. Because to be honest, like, I keep describing the Ningen as, like, a sea monster. And to be honest, to Ningyo and, like, mermaid folk and aquatic humanoids, I think she's probably just a real tall drink of water. Pun intended wholeheartedly. Thank you. Yes, it was very good. Congratulations on your pun. A tall drink of salt water. There it is. There Thank it you. is. There and it is. That's the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I know we went on kind of a weird trip today. I think we do every week, and probably we need to stop qualifying ourselves by saying that. Yeah. I hope you had a good time. I had a good time. The funny thing is, I prepared about 12 sources, and I ended up only like referring to about four of them during this the course of this happens. discussion. But if you want to read more about this, uh, as always, we can encourage additional research because there is so much to be said about the Ningen and about the Ningyo as well. They're all over. There's a piece on the Cryptid Chronicles on Tumblr. There's a piece on Ancient Origins. There's a piece on VisitCryptoville.com. Those are some of the sources I referred to when talking about this. And so please go enjoy. The internet is so full of terror, but also information. Much like the ocean. And that's the show. There we are. Got any announcements? <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, just a continued reminder to everybody, thank you so much for all of the support you give us in all of your many varied ways, whether that's by following us on Twitter and engaging in conversation with us, sharing our show with your friends, reaching out to message us and tell us what you like about the show, um, or joining our Facebook group, which is the Cryptid Keeper Appreciation Group on Facebook. There are always a ton of fun conversations and things happening in there, projects being shared, links being shared, uh, new, like, articles of information on cryptids that we maybe haven't heard of yet. It's always a really fun time, and we really enjoy connecting with everybody in that space. If you're not on Facebook, though, even just communicating with us through Twitter, through our Twitter DMs, or through our email address, which is cryptkeeppod at gmail.com, C-R-Y-P-T-K-E-P-P-O-D at gmail.com. Our inbox is always open to hear about your responses to the show or your listener stories for the next time we have one of those episodes, or just any sort of questions, comments, concerns you have for us. Uh, We like to engage with our fans as much as possible, so thank you so much for the support that you give us in that way. We also do have a Patreon, which is just the Cryptid Keeper on Patreon. Um, If you're a donor of any level, you get access to our... I think it's fun. I'm not going to tell you that it's fun. To I think it's what fun. What I think is fun um, is our secret podcast within a podcast, which is our actual play campaign of Monster of the Week, which is a lot of fun that, that we enjoy. I did just say it was fun. It is fun. I'm just, I'm making an official ruling on this it? one. It's fun. Own it. It's fun. It's fun. It's a great time. Um, I run a Monster of the Week game for Addison and uh, resident composer Andrew Giada, as well as our friend Tim, and we play a, a monster campaign in... The fictional city of Revenant, Alaska. So it's like small town Alaska. There are creepy things in the world. In the it's, 90s. It's a good time. In the 90s, which is great. Yeah. Um, we also do, uh, for like varying uh, uh, donors of varying tiers, we do things like movie nights. There's additional bonus content available. It's there a good are special old time. stickers. Yeah. yeah it's, it's a good old time. So, yeah. Thank you so much for everything you do. Um, any kind of support is amazing. And just you being here is fantastic. So, as always, we hope we can keep you around and stay safe out there.